91. The investment manager seeking opportunities in change. The world is constantly shaped by change and change brings opportunities, but opportunities are not always obvious. 91 was born in times of change and has seen past its distractions to seek real investment opportunities to help clients reach long-term investment goals. 91. Investing for a world of change. Find out more at 91.com. Capital at risk. 91 is authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Hello. For the final episode of the series, we've gone big. In a sense that a thematic podcast is tackling the topic of thematics as a whole. Using ETFs as a base, but not necessarily constrained by it, we hear from Anand Venkatraman, who is the head of ETF investment strategies at Legal and General Investment Management. In this discussion, Anand talks about the opportunities and limitations of the ETF wrapper, while also unearthing trends that have been accelerated by the pandemic. There's something for everyone here, with the role and rise of telemedicine to the increasingly crucial role of cybersecurity plays and beyond. So, enjoy. For the last one for this series, I'm Chris Slowly, the editor of Citywide Selector, and thanks for listening. Thank you for joining me, Anna. Thanks for having me, Chris. Um, um, nice to talk to you today. Fantastic. Well, you're the second person on who, in this run, that has got a good thematic blog. And I think more people should be moving this way because it, it helps with my research and it also helps show how wide a sphere of influence or, or a range of topics we could actually delve into. But I'm going to try and keep it relatively focused today. So one thing that has really jumped out for me is something that you've written on is the future of healthcare. And I think that's something that we haven't really touched upon in this in this series of interviews. So if we can start there, what role has the pandemic had for the future of healthcare, both in terms of an investment idea, but also as you as somebody producing ETFs, has that changed the way in which their constructors are likely to be constructed? Um, well, that's a great question, Chris. And um, the pandemic clearly challenged um, various um, aspects of verticals within the broader healthcare segment um, and, and biopharma as well. Um, it has actually brought about a few positive surprises in terms of newer technologies, a faster adoption of newer technologies, or technologies like AI and, and other type of revolutionary, um, I would say, advancements that have helped with a faster breakthrough in vaccines and, 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 and kind of manage other challenges. And, and more importantly, it's, it's also kind of thrown some negative surprises wherein you know, um, the, the incumbent giants who once dominated certain areas um, no longer you know, uh, came out with a timely say, discovery of vaccines and things like that. I'll give you an example. If you take Glaxo, Merck and Sanofi, they, were, they probably dominated the vaccine space prior to the pandemic. But then when you look at the COVID vaccine, it was Moderna. Um, which you know, came out to be a winner. BioNTech, who then partnered with Pfizer, came out to be another winner. And Novavax is again you know, um, said to be uh, another winner. So Novavax was a company which was sub 200 million uh, in market cap just over two years ago, under two years ago. And now that's about 16 or $17 billion. Um, same with Moderna, it's mainly a research-oriented company. Um, sub three billion in terms of market back, market cap, you know, two years ago, but now that has actually challenged some of the you know large pharma names and overtaken some of those. So clearly, in terms of um, what it has highlighted, what the pandemic has done is it has actually clearly highlighted the fact that you know unless we innovate, we will 
know, end up perishing or we'll end up lagging behind. And this, these are examples in the biopharma space, right? But when you look at um, other types of technology, AI was used quite a bit in terms of modeling the spread of pandemic. It was also kind of used to sort of, um, um, you know, leave out any sort of um, true negatives in, in terms of vaccine discovery or trying to find biosimilars and things like that through simulations. And, you know, telemedicine helped a long way, um, particularly to provide primary um, access to healthcare um, remotely during the pandemic when the lockdown was enforced and so on. So I would say huge strides in, in the adoption of certain um, uh, technologies. Um, and at the same time, it's, it's thrown, um, I, I would say, uh, the, uh, the, the state wide open in terms of showing how the incumbents have, in, in a sense, lagged and how people who innovate, who are agile, who are more flexible in their approach have ended up um, coming, coming, coming out as the winners, really. So um, lots of things. Tailwinds in certain cases, headwinds, headwinds for few, but it is really challenged in space. You you mentioned telemedicine there. That was a theme that I know has become more prominent over the course of the pandemic. And, and it seems that there has been a huge amount of disruption. And if this isn't too naive a question, one of the joys of this podcast is I get to play the layman while also being not particularly well-versed in some of these topics, is has all the di disruption been done? Is there? Do you see another wave of innovation coming off the back of this? Or was this such a monumental change for the healthcare industry that we're still getting to grips with that? Um, that, that's a great question, Chris. And I think with telemedicine, the fact is, you know, it's, it's only a small part of the overall healthcare story, right? Um, clearly, you know, it, it has helped um, uh, patients uh, and connect patients to doctors remotely. But clearly, because of the adoption, maybe a lot of market has already been, you know, um, covered by, by telemedicine. But that doesn't mean that, you know, um, that, that's the end of it. The growth will continue, maybe not in the same pace at um, which it, it grew over the last, I'd say, 12 months, to 12 months, um, in particular in 2020. But then that, there are other areas, right, driven by digitization, how you kind of, how consumers' habits and, and behaviors changed, focus on prevention and personalization and so on, be it, I'd say, diagnostic devices, medical instruments, precision medicine, um, application of robotics in in, uh, in healthcare, so automated surgeries and things like that, genomics. Uh, a lot of other, I'd say, verticals are there that that are, in my view, set to sort of disrupt um, the way we've been doing things. And telemedicine is one of the many um, such verticals. You did a great blog, which helpfully makes me allows me to move on to another thing because it was called don't forget the other type of virus and this was during the pandemic but it was looking at the cyber threats and, and as people moved online people moved to the work from home scenario i guess the reliance on tech became much greater when we look at the impact of viruses on, on the computing world and the technological world how much has that energized for example cyber security in areas like that i appreciate i'm jumping around slightly i'm, I'm uh, really um abusing the fact that you cover a wide array of ETFs, but is that something that you've also seen growth in? Is there more growth to come in cybersecurity? Oh, totally. I mean, and these are not mutually exclusive areas, right? So the more um, techy we become within the healthcare space, the more digitized we become, the more reliant we are on data and so on, you need cybersecurity to protect healthcare-related data as well. And, you know, soon after we uh, sort of, I wrote the blog, it was quite interesting that, you know, um, 
there was an increase in hacks and attacks on pharma companies or biopharma companies to steal their sort of, oh, of course. vaccine, um, you know, I would say um, composition and things like that, right? Steal the research, attacks on sort of health healthcare establishments and so on. Um, but one, one thing, you know, uh, you, you can just go away and do it for yourself, right? Just go to Google Trends and just look for the word cybersecurity. You will see that the interest about cybersecurity, just on you know, based on how much people are searching for, um, has been is, is one of the highest at the moment. You know, there was a bit of a dip during the pandemic, maybe because people didn't do. But but then when you when you look at the recent past or the last two to three years, it's been it's never been this high. So I I think in general the awareness about cybersecurity has improved, particularly because of these attacks, and also you know with with rampant increase in the sophistication or the volume of attacks and also um in, you know the, the targets it's just not you know focused on governments but it's also across institutions corporations individuals and so on so it's it's across the board so um clearly we, we've seen a lot of interest within that into into that theme as well and more so substantiated by the fact that you know the attacks are only increasing in sophistication and and, and volumes and the need for securing our data, the privacy, and ensuring that you know um, businesses continue to operate and not get, I'd say, um, squeezed because of a cyber attack. Um, you know, because of all these considerations, the the importance of cybersecurity continues to be um, you know quite high. Well, I saw that you said that uh, according to Cybersecurity Ventures, there's a hundred ransomware attacks every twenty minutes, and the and the fact that that has accelerated so much means that the Global cybersecurity spending will pass a trillion dollars this year. Are we still on course for that? And I mean, those projections were made a few years ago, or is that even accelerating yeah. even further? So I would say the trillion dollar number. I mean, depending on which expert you talk to, you know, you, you would get different um, numbers. And that trillion dollar was over a five-year period um, that we referred to based on research done by say, cybersecurity ventures. But regardless of the fact, right, I mean, whether it's trillion, half a trillion or two trillion or whatever number it is, you know, or, or if you just leave out the hard numbers, there is a clear trend in terms of increase in investment going into cybersecurity across institutions, across corporations, across, you know, governments across the world. Right. So that fact cannot be denied. Um, and, and, you know, there's an acceleration and also there's a change in the way, you know, um, the money is being spent on you know, security related solutions, right? Of course, 20 years ago, we were just talking about antivirus and things like that. But today it's more you know, cloud centric. Sure. You want, um, so, you know, cloud security and point security. You also want web filtering, you want data analytics, you want biometrics. So a lot of new areas have come about and, and they are all kind of, um, witnessing um, uh, a considerable growth um, you know, in, in the recent past. And also, I expect that to happen uh, potentially over the, over, over the future as well. We've covered a wider range, and I would encourage anybody listening to go to the ESG long-term theme section of the Elgin blog, because this is where I've, I've got almost all of my research. I'll be very honest about that. But one thing that really stood out to me on that, and it covers such a wide array of things. And so now moving to your role within ETFs and looking at the future of ETFs, are there some themes that lend themselves more to an ETF-based approach, more so than you would say an active approach? Um, in my view, we see ETFs as just a fund wrapper. Um, okay. it ultimately, it depends what, what really goes into that, what an ETF is tracking and so on. So our 
our thematic exposures have been built um, based on a hybrid hybrid approach that combines active research with active uh, investment strategy design. So our ETFs don't track an off-the-shelf index that we just took out of, of, of from, from someone else, but there's a lot of research that has gone in, bottom-up evidence-based research that, that has gone in, and we kind of um, get that done by we're working with research experts and partnering with them. So they're dedicated research experts for individual teams who kind of spend 24-7 on a, on a specific topic. And through them, we're able to get all that proprietary, unique insights and, and, and data. We go away, interpret that data, and then actively design an investment strategy, which kind of gives investors the benefit of having a rules-based approach and the transparency that brings um, that, that comes along with that as well. And, and that way, we, we're, we're combining active research with active investment strategy design, bring out a set of rules, and then codify that into an index and our ETFs track that. So um, I, I would certainly not call it, you know, you know, you know passive in in the sense sure. people use that word to refer to just market cap claim benchmarks that that, that have been tracked by ETFs. Do you think the perception of ETFs is going to change over time as well? Because also in research for this, I was reading about active non-transparent ETFs, the, the so-called ants that are becoming more prevalent, or they became more prevalent at the end of 2020. There's different ways of doing things, and, and to my mind people are always looking for innovation do you think etfs can be a, a good area of growth in that regard yeah totally right i mean as i mentioned etf just a fund wrapper it has sure. some certain you know positive features uh, which are in my view better than certain other wrappers but ultimately it's a question of which wrapper fits your purpose right so you can't you can't just simply have a world where everything is done through etfs you know etfs a pool structure sometimes you need a segregated, um, you know, fund um, account as well, right? So um, it, it's not, you know, one size fits all. But when you look at the mutual fund world, you know, pooled, open-ended um, sort, of, sort of funds, ETF does, an ETF wrapper does offer, um, I would say, uh, bring 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 about um, a few advantages. And and as a result, you, you're also seeing more in the press about, you know, how mutual funds, many mutual funds are actually trying to kind of get into the ETF world, have active ETFs, potentially non-transparent, yeah. whatever. It's just it's just the separation of the pricing um, within the fund desk versus the prices being made by um, you know independent uh, authorized participants or market makers and various other facets which which kind of bring about that I would say the unique uh, uniqueness of ETFs. So I would say ultimately um, you know the financial industry is quite agile and people uh, you know, know that it's it's evolved many times in the past, and it will continue to do. And if um, if investors ultimately recognize, and also issuers recognize that ETF has you know a certain superior facets, then you will see that the the trend will go in that direction. And I I feel it has already happened to a certain extent. You know, particularly with the flows from active equities to I would say passive ETFs over the last I would say eight to nine years. Now, you know, we're starting to see that trend happen within fixed income, again, more in the core world. But going, you know, looking ahead, I wouldn't be surprised um, if we see the issuance of more, of more active, um, actively managed ETFs come out as well. Um, and, and, you know, the early trends indicate um, that the market is heading that way. But of course, you know, seeing is believing. So we, we'll wait and see what happens over the next two to five years. A nice open-ended future forward piece to finish this episode of Future Thinking on. So thank you very much, Anand. Thank you for taking the time. 
Thank you very much, Chris. Nice talking to you. Ninety-one. The investment manager seeking opportunities in change. The world is constantly shaped by change, and change brings opportunities. But opportunities are not always obvious. Ninety-one was born in times of change and has seen past its distractions to seek real investment opportunities to help clients reach long-term investment goals. Ninety-one, investing for a world of change. Find out more at ninety-one.com. Capital at risk. Ninety-one is authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.